Coffee House Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com climate. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and Fraser Nelson. And it is all kicking off in Westminster. Last night, there was leaked footage of a practice Downing Street press conference in which the then Prime Minister's spokesperson, Allegra Stratton, was filmed joking about some form of Downing Street party with other number 10 aides just four days after the Downing Street party is alleged to have taken place, as recently been reported. Here's how the clip plays. I've just seen reports on Twitter that there was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognise those reports? <laughs> I went home. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, uh, what's the answer? I don't know. I didn't, wasn't the party. It was cheese and wine. Clear, it's not. <laughs> is cheese and wine all right? No. It was a business meeting. <laughs> I'm joking. This is recorded. This morning, ministers didn't have much to say. There are no ministers put up on the morning round. Sajid Javid cancelled his tour to mark one year since authorisation of Pfizer. But journalists did manage to get Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, to say something after she delivered a speech. As to uh, alleged events in number 10, uh, I don't know uh, the detail of what happened. I know that the prime minister's spokesman Uh, answered those questions in detail yesterday and I'm sure there'll be uh, further discussion of that issue. Fraser, we just had Prime Minister's questions where Boris Johnson seemed rather rattled. He apologised but still said that as far as he knew there had not been a party and no rules had been broken. His solution is to get Simon Case, the Cabinet Secretary, to embark on an investigation. How bad are things looking for the government? Well, this is beyond absurd that the Prime Minister is talking about getting an investigation to find out whether his own staff had a party in his own office. He will know the answer. We all know by now that this sort of bluster and obfuscation is quite a key tactic for Number 10. They hate asking, basically answering questions about their own personal behaviour, which normally, by the way, would be out of bounds. For example, let's take um, Carrie Simmons' friend Nimco Ali. Was she um, staying with him for last Christmas? Normally, it would be none of our business. But when in the context of last December, when the government was making it illegal for us to see our friends, illegal for for somebody to go visit the girlfriend if they weren't cohabiting, then it very much matters how these ministers themselves implemented it. So to say, first of all, we obeyed the rules, be a bit vague, and then say there was no party, it goes from being slippery to being mendacious. That's the charge against them now. If there wasn't a party, then what was Legra Stratton talking about? Why, what we heard it there in the clip, why were they saying the party that was had on Friday? To listen to her answering, you'd think, absolutely you would think, that she knew there was a party on Friday. She might not have gone to it, but she knew it took place. And she was, I think... If I was in her place, I would have responded as she did. I think she was joking and laughing about it because the rules were absurd. We had been all been placed in this ridiculous position by the Prime Minister where a work meeting was allowed but a social meeting wasn't, so if you wanted to meet a friend you could say you were discussing work. So you were put into this through-the-looking-glass territory 
And given she was practicing for the job, by the way, I, I should say, by the way, that I know and am friendly with Allegra Stratton. And I was just appalled when I thought she'd be Boris's prime, um, spokeswoman. Because imagine having to defend that guy every single day, to defend all the U-turns that he takes, the flip-flops that he makes. How could this end well for her, I thought. And looking at that practice clip, I thought to myself, well, this is probably why the job didn't go ahead. She was not able to defend that lockdown line because the lockdown line was indefensible. You can't really do that with a straight face. To, to laugh at his absurdity, to mock its absurdity, is exactly what I would have done. And I think it hurts the Prime Minister because it's so accurate. I don't think many people in the country now doubt there was a number 10 party. And to hear him say he's going to investigate whether there was or not makes him sound even more guilty. Isabel, I suppose when we're looking at this, various aspects to chew through. When it comes to the video, I think one of the problems the government is it just looks and it's been widely noted on this idea that almost you know these are number 10 in jokes about a party that happened is the impression you get from reading it which causes several issues uh, obviously ones in hypocrisy but also just in terms of number 10 and trust because when it comes to the Downing Street party story that emerged first last week in the mirror you saw number 10 really trying to move past it Boris Johnson saying rules had been followed at all times then various ministers tying themselves up in knots really in media appearances about this party I think when it refused to go away you then had the prime minister spokesman up the ante and say there was no Downing Street party and then the next day they started blaming civil servants saying this party was mainly civil servants but that video really does cast quite a lot of doubt on the handling and how much we can take those comments at the word. Yeah and I think it's worth remembering that this video would not have emerged had the Prime Minister been truthful from the outset had he not required his his minister's to go out and say that there was no party in any way, people obeyed the rules anyway, which reminds me of uh, that character in in those very old books, Billy Bunter, where he would be accused of stealing cakes and he would say, no, I didn't eat the cakes, but they weren't very nice anyway. You know, there weren't any parties, but this is what we did at them. And this line that was just untenable from the outset, but also clearly not true now meant that someone inside Downing Street was so, or who had been inside Downing Street at the time of of this practice press briefing, at the time of this party, was so upset by what was being said in public that they decided to leak the video. Actually, Isabel, can I uh, give another theory that I've heard about that? I should say that I don't know how the video got out there. But there's also a theory that they brought an external video production company to help them with that uh, recording. So the video could have laid with somebody outside who just simply was sitting on this for a while. They saw the party stuff kick off and they decided to release it. So it's also possible that this was not a a political leak, but um, that of a third-party video company. I've no idea, but obviously it's a bit suspicious, isn't it, that this video comes up at exactly the time they're denying that a party took place, and on exactly the day, but they're planning to plunge us into yet more restrictions. If they were always planning to put us into restrictions today, because the other theory going around Fraser is ultimately Boris Johnson decided last night that now is the time to bring in restrictions. So it was interesting at Prime Minister's questions. I don't know what you thought, Isabel, but there's quite a pointed question at one point, ultimately about how it wouldn't be a good divergence tactic. Yeah, so William Ragg, who has has long been outspoken about the lockdown restrictions and the impact of lockdown on on his constituents and on vulnerable people and so on. asked the prime minister why people uh he why he thought people would be convinced by this diversionary tactic of vaccine passports 
and so on. And there was a big, you know, dramatic intake of breath from across the chamber as he asked that. But I think also just just going back to this internal issue, whoever leaked the video, now that Boris Johnson's response at Prime Minister's questions was to make other people responsible for him, even though he's the boss, the man who who is supposed to be leading the number 10 operation, the government, the country, that, that basically means that no member of staff in Downing Street will feel as though they're going to be protected by the Prime Minister. So suddenly you start to lose loyalty. You also, as a result of the chaos of this past uh, week over the party, but also as a result of the chaos of the past month and a bit over Owen Paterson, over lots of other scandals. Let's not forget that uh, one of the other big stories was uh, yesterday's Foreign Affairs Select Committee over uh, the Foreign Office's handling of of Afghanistan and and the evacuation of Kabul. There are all of these sort of botched jobs, self-inflicted problems that are going on where you actually start to, if you're part of this operation, lose faith in the person who you put a lot of trust in to, to take the job within the first place. And and so this is a, a dangerous strategy by Boris Johnson to, to throw aides under the bus, to tell the chamber, as he did at the start of Prime Minister's questions, to try to to make the, the neutralise or at least make the, the matter less powerful when Keir Starmer got to it, that, that people were going to be disciplined after he had been repeatedly assured that there'd been no party. He's basically saying that he has no idea what's going on in number 10 and that his staff could be lying to him. Well, why would you go out to bat for a PM who might do the same to you? Yes, because Fraser, there are some rumblings that there needs to be a scalp here. Someone has to go to show that the Prime Minister takes this matter seriously. So there have been questions about whether Allegra Stratton can stay in her position, whether Ed Oldfield, the special advisor asking the questions in that clip, can stay in his position. But ultimately... This is the Prime Minister's Downing Street, and you wrote the Court of Chaos cover recently. Doesn't this just all just point to this idea that he doesn't have much grip if he has no idea what's really going on? Yes, of course, it all comes back to him. He appoints everybody in there. He's responsible for everything that happens in there. And when he was editor of this magazine, he would have um, completely taken responsibility for everything that went wrong. You know, even when there was Simon Heffer wrote the editorial about Liverpool that Boris got into such trouble for, Boris hadn't even read the editorial, but he still took responsibility for it. That's, that's the way it works. That's the way the buck stops. So I don't know, you know, it's so strange to see like, people like me who backed Boris Johnson for leader, who had faith in him, who thought, that, who would say to critics, look, don't be distracted by this fooling around, just look at what he achieves. You'd point to the way he had behaved in the past and say, look, this is, this is a guy who does take responsibility. This is a guy who does get things done. He assembles a good team around him. He's able to oversee highly functional teams, as he was here at The Spectator, as he was in City Hall. And now, in number 10, where you most of all need him to be truthful, responsible and efficient in running his teams, he is question marks over all of those three. And if you were to introduce vaccine passports now, after all this time, almost two years, we managed to avoid what he himself used to campaign so vociferously against. That will mark a real turning point, I think. It will mark the kind of um, the implosion of the Boris Johnson project. The man himself might still be there, but the principles that he championed through his political life will have, be, 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 will have turned out to have been extinguished by the sheer force of events in number 10, that he is really struggling to to move against. I mean, I as I, I talk to you here as if I'm, you know, his worst enemy now. I've just written a cover piece praising his drug strategy. I think is it the ten year plan on drugs, which 
n- almost nobody has said it's really good. I've done a cover piece saying how thoughtful, how well thought through, this is exactly what we need, this is the money, this is the principles. So, you know, he still is doing decent things. But the mess of the execution simply defies belief. You're getting something as important as a 10-year drug strategy, which isn't getting any attention now, because this is a government now defined by its mishaps. And when that happens to a government, it's pretty difficult to escape this this cycle of being defined by what goes wrong, not what's going right. I think we're definitely getting into the territory of the, the John Major government, where they ended up just announcing things like the Cones hotline to try to distract from the fact that lots of ministers were you know, shagging each other and, and so on. And as Fraser says, this government is now defined by a list of different botched jobs on different policy areas that are of great importance to the public and, and the wider world. And just in terms of reaction so far in the Tory parliamentary party, Isabel, some Tory MPs have gone public, that includes Tracy Crouch, to say that they think that ultimately there should be an apology. Ministers are awfully quiet right now. What is the temperature check in the party? Huh. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty icy, Antarctic in fact, I'd say. In terms of support for Boris Johnson, Ruth Davidson, former Conservative, Scottish Conservative leader, now a member of the House of Lords, has tweeted this afternoon after Prime Minister's questions that the Prime Minister has been taking the public for fools. She says none of it, this is remotely defensible. As a Tory, I was brought up to believe in playing with a straight bat. Believe me, colleagues are furious at this too. And I think that sums up the feelings of a lot of MPs who I've spoken to this morning, that there was another one saying, you know, I'm furious with them. Uh, This was a private conversation I had with them. If heads have to roll, then so be it. But this is just awful comms and reflects so poorly on the government. Just endless angry messages from MPs who were planning to go and campaign for the Conservatives in the North Shropshire by-election, which was already, uh, as you've written, Katie, uh, going to be a very difficult fight for them, given the circumstances of Owen Paterson's departure. Now, uh, another issue that was already having cut through on the doorstep, according to people who I'd spoken to who'd been up there, now is going to be you know, a dominating theme of this by-election. Just sheer frustration at uh, what one MP who I spoke to said was the belief that you can basically just tough it out on something that is is provably a lie all of though that anger i think underlines the, one of the problems for boris johnson which is that his relationship with his party has always been transactional they see him as a winner someone who delivered you know a majority a stonking majority after the failure of the 2017 election after uh, after a lot of turmoil for the party in trying to get brexit done they were very happy with their prime minister, but not because of, of who he is and what he believes in, but because of what he can do for the Conservative Party and make it a winning machine. Their anxiety at the moment is that actually a lot of the problems electorally for the party are coming from Boris Johnson himself, that they've relied so far on his character strengths. Now they're seeing the downsides of his character weaknesses. And Fraser, you mentioned vaccine passports. Ultimately, nothing is confirmed yet. So there may well be a second podcast later today once we know. But there is talk of a meeting on COVID this afternoon, potentially a press conference. And the idea that Boris Johnson, since last night, has ultimately decided to move and activate Plan B as soon as today. In terms of Tory backbenchers and even ministers, 
pretty fed up already about this party story. Many of whom have gone out publicly to defend the government only for this video to emerge. Um, already a big public backlash. If Johnson does bring in new measures, which the Tory party is instinctively against, is he going to have a big problem on his hands? No, because Keir Starmer will send Labour MPs to vote with Boris. And that is the, the great get-out clause here. Boris Johnson is very lucky. And his, his single greatest asset is Keir Starmer. And when things get tough, he can always send for his useful idiots on the Labour benches who will come in and vote with him. If it turns out, of course, that the new restrictions are passed on Labour votes, in other words, if, if Labour guys had not voted, the government would have lost, this does place him in a very weak position because he is there, basically, with Starmer's support. Of course, when you, we ought to remember here that I am against personal other restrictions, but we look at the opinion polls, generally they poll pretty well. And that is a factor in MPs' minds when they vote for this sort of thing, that they will are unlikely to get too much hassle in their constituencies from voting for further restrictions. So there is, uh, I think there's a bit of a gulf between what MPs will say in a personal basis, they won't want more restrictions, but what do they think their constituents want? They probably are worried about Omicron and they probably wouldn't mind some working from home orders. Uh, it's easy to do when you know the benefits is clear, but the side effects of these restrictions are not clear. We saw earlier on this week that, um, for example, in lockdown, alcohol deaths surged in, in Britain to an all-time high. The, the harm which these lockdown measures do is literally incalculable because we don't yet know how to calculate it. It's so depressing to think that after all these months, almost two years of this, we're still relying on the tools used in the old playbook in a country which is so heavily protected with antibodies that we're still having to behave as if nobody was vaccinated at all. It does make you wonder what the purpose of all of the last year and a half has really been if we have to go to battle stations again. But I guess that will be a subject we'll return to in the podcast after the three o'clock press conference. And finally, Isabel, if Boris Johnson does get up at a press conference yet to be confirmed, but later this afternoon, and says that he is bringing new restrictions, will anyone listen to him? Well, I think that's the the question, obviously, that, that William Ragast and uh, other senior Conservative MPs like uh, Charles Walker have been saying that anything that gets announced now will have to be on a voluntary basis, or at least the public will re- regard it as voluntary. I think generally the public have been able to distinguish between their disappointment in their government, in their leaders. Uh, we look at the Barnard Castle incident, for, for, for example. People did continue to support lockdowns after Dominic Cummings' eye test journey. And I think that I think it's probably doing the public a disservice to suggest that because they are so upset that... Downing Street staffers had a party and then laughed about it, that they wouldn't follow restrictions. But that said, the authority of the Prime Minister to announce anything and to expect his party to support it was already in question, as you've been writing this week, Katie. And that's that's going to be magnified tenfold by what has happened in the past few days. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening. And while we have you here, do you sign up to Isabel's Evening Blend out today and every other day, other than Saturday and Sunday? Um, With all the latest news and analysis, just go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash blend.